definition means to work for. To serve means to work for the Lord. To do things for Him. Another was to be bound to like a servant. To be bound to the Lord. And we are bound to Him. The Bible says that when we got saved, when we gave our life to Jesus Christ, He says we've been bought with a price. We are not our own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Both your body and your spirit and everything about you is no longer yours. If you gave your life to Jesus, did you give your life to Jesus? Or did you just want to go to heaven when you die? You see, a lot of people don't, don't understand that. They think, I just want fire insurance. I just want to escape hell. But I want to live like I want to live. I just don't want to go to hell for it. It don't work that way, y'all. It doesn't work that way. You give your life to Jesus Christ. And, and you serve him and you love him. And listen, there's no greater fun, there's no greater satisfaction than serving the Lord and loving the Lord. And some people think Christians are the most boring people in the world. Well, they haven't walked in our shoes. I have more fun than most people, and I can remember it the next morning. <laughs> it ain't boring to serve the Lord, but I'm bound to him. I'm not my own. I've given my life to him. And then another definition, this is where we started last week, was worship. You cannot separate serving and worshiping the Lord. It's very difficult. In fact, we looked at many Old Testament scriptures as well as some New Testament scriptures last Sunday that talked about those two are, are interchangeably used, serving and worshiping. God said you don't serve these other gods nor worship them. Don't worship them nor serve them. So the goal, we're serving the Lord with all of our heart. That's what we want to do. The strategy, the first strategy we looked at was worship. We want to worship the Lord. And we talked about how worship is more than just showing up on Sunday and singing. That's a vital part of worship. It's how we live our lives. You remember we read Joshua 24, 15. Joshua was calling the people of Israel out to stop serving Baal, the false god of the Canaanites. And he said, but if, if you're going to serve Baal, then man... Do it with all your heart. But if you're going to serve God, do it with all your heart. But make a choice. He said, choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's how we left it last week. That's what I ask you to do, to make a decision. To serve the Lord with all your heart or get off the horse, get off the fence. One way or the other, get off the fence. Get off to the left and serve Baal and all the gods in your own flesh, whatever you want to serve, or get on the right side of the fence and serve the Lord. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. He said, you're lukewarm. But I wish you were cold or hot. I wish you were one or the other, but you're lukewarm. And what does he say about lukewarm Christians? They make him sick. I vomit them out of my mouth. Choose today. So worship and, and is not just about showing up on church, at church on Sunday. It's about living your life Monday through Saturday as well. So we want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about, I believe God wants us to talk about an action plan. So we talk about worshiping as a strategy to serve in the Lord. Where does that begin? I believe it begins right here in our heart. It begins with a humble heart. Isaiah, chapter 57, verse 15. Here's what God says. 
For thus says the high and lofty one. By the way, that ain't you. The problem with when it comes to serving the Lord is we think we're more important than everything else. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. But I want you to listen to this next phrase because there are times that we think that God is, lives in this high and holy place and we can't get to him or he can't get to us. But look at the next phrase. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and what? Humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You see, part of serving the Lord is we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to realize that this world, this life is not all about me. And that's a problem in America today. Everybody thinks that the world revolves around them. And when they don't, they don't get their way, when things don't go the way they think they ought to go, then they pitch a little baby fit. And say they're not humble, they're proud. You can't serve the Lord and serve yourself at the same time. You've got to humble yourself. God, you can dwell with God. You can dwell with this high and lofty God when you're humble. And when you humble yourself, listen, I've learned, and well, let me say this. I don't, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to quit saying learned. I am learning. Because you don't learn anything until you're dead. Then you've learned it all and you, you've, you've, you're gone. Okay? If you're, if you're alive, you're still learning, right? I am learning that um, it's easier to humble myself. That's hard, okay? That's hard, but that's a lot easier than having God to do it for me. If God's got to humble me, woe is me, because it's going to hurt. In fact, the first word of pride, actually the middle letter of pride is what? I. Now when you draw an I, how do you draw it? Straight up and down, right? Like I could be an I. I'm an I. 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 What's the first letter in Christ? C. You know what a C is? It's a bent over I. It's an I that has humbled himself. And he's living for Christ. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 Hear the word of the Lord. God gives more grace. How many of you need more grace? If, if grace is God's, grace has been defined many ways. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. I like that, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's been defined as God giving us what we don't deserve. It's been defined as God's supernatural ability to accomplish what he's asked us to accomplish. Well, you know what? I need all three of those definitions. I need more grace. How many of you would say, I need more grace from God? I need more grace. God says, all right, here's how you get more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, meaning over our sinfulness. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. 
1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, very similar. Verse 5 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If we want to serve the Lord with all of our heart, we have to humble ourselves. That's our action plan. First thing, we've got to humble ourselves. Now, what does that look like? Well, I think we know. Well, maybe we don't because we're so deceitful. So uh, deceitful. The Bible says our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I believe that we can tell when we're pretty astute people. We can tell when somebody else is acting in a humble way or a proud way. <clears throat> and God wants us to recognize pride in our own hearts. You know, it's easier to see something in someone else than it is in yourself. So we need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me an awareness of my spirit, of my heart. Am I a proud person? You know what? We all tend to be proud people. Every one of us. Humility doesn't come natural. Proud, pride comes natural. And we default to pride. Jealousy, bitterness, envy, strife, arguing, conflict, all that's the source Pride. You know the only sin that ever touched heaven? Pride. It's what's got kicked, got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. So how can I humble myself to serve the Lord? Let me uh, read for you Genesis chapter 24, verse 26. <clears throat> Abraham had a son, Isaac. This was the special son. This was going to be this, this was the son of promise in his old age. And he didn't want Isaac just marrying anybody. He didn't want him marrying the local girls because they were pagans. They worshipped idols. And he didn't want Isaac's heart turned to idols. So he enlisted and entrusted his servant. He said, I want you to go back to where I came from. I want you to go back to the land of my family. And I want you to find a, a bride for Isaac. And he made him take an oath that, that uh, he would not uh, take a wife for Isaac from any of the girls of the local land, but go back. So Isaac, uh, Abraham's servant goes back, and he kind of makes an arrangement with the Lord. And he prays, and he asks God that, um, that it would work out this way at the well, that whoever would ask to uh, uh, draw water for him and his camels, that she would be the one. And sure enough, he gets to the well, and that's exactly what happened. And there was a girl there, and um, she asked him if, he could, if she could water the camels, and here's what he said in verse 26. It says, The man bowed down in his head and bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he pray, he was praising God for answering his prayer. And then in verse 48, after he finds out who she is, that she's one of the daughters of Abraham's uh, family, he says in verse 40, I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master. Abraham. Basically, what we're seeing here is bowing and worshiping go hand in hand. Bow his head. In Joshua, in chapter 5 and verse 14, let me read that one for you. We find Joshua planning the battle to take Jericho. And all of a sudden, he's confronted by this man that he thinks is a man. A man and he says, uh, he asks this man, are you for us or against us? And uh, he said, no, I'm as commander of the army of the Lord. 
And it says in verse 14, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? When you see men worshipping, you see them bowing. That I bows. You you know, we've always, you know, in in Christian circles, uh, you've heard this many times. As we pray, what do we ask people to do? Bow your head. You know, there's some people that resist that. Just like there's some people that refuse to bow or, or to uh, stand and place their hand over their heart and pledge to the United States. There are people who refuse to bow uh, their heads or to bow their knee before anybody. And uh, that's a sign of pride. You know, it's, it's the only, it's the, it's the, make, that's the only difference between a Christian and the devil. Because you see, a, the devil knows everything you know about Jesus. In fact, the devil knows more about Jesus than you know about Jesus. The devil knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He knows that Jesus was resurrected. He knows that Jesus is coming back. He knows that Jesus sits on the throne at the right hand of God. He knows all these things about Christ. But the one thing he won't do is the one thing you have to do to be saved is you've got to act on that knowledge and you've got to surrender and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to bow. And he will never bow. That's why he will be in hell. And that's what will send anybody to hell. They send themselves. God doesn't send them. God made a way. He made a way. People have to reject the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But there are people out there who go, oh yeah, I'll show you. And they refuse to bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And they will be suffer the devil's fate. Bow and fall down. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, oh come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You remember I read for you last week in Daniel chapter 3. Those three boys. Remember those three boys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that the king and Nebuchadnezzar had made this idol. And he commanded that everybody when they heard the music was to bow down and worship. And these three boys said, "Uh, no, we won't do that. In fact, listen to what they told Nebuchadnezzar. In fact... Here's the command. Here was the command. The time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, if that's that's not a a pagan picture of, of what hell is, really, here's Nebuchadnezzar saying, If you don't bow, you're going to be burned up in the fiery furnace. But this was to a false god. And we read in verse 10 and 11 that uh, there are some people that tattled on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Didn't you, king, decree that everyone who hears the sound of the music shall fall down and worship, but whoever doesn't shall be thrown into the fiery furnace? And and they, he said, yeah. He said, well, there's these three guys that they said they're not going to do it. They didn't bow down. They didn't worship. And so the king brings them in. Boy, he is some more mad. 
And he gives them one more chance in verse 15. And then in verse 16, they said again to him, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have any need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, verse 18, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you have set up. In other words, they're saying, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. You see, worship has a lot to do with bowing, humbling ourselves. And I'm going I'm to encourage you to build into your time alone with God. We've tr I've tried to give you some very practical things each week. A few weeks ago, we talked about setting aside 15 minutes a day where you're just quiet before God. With his word, maybe listening to what he has to say or just with God. Here's another practical suggestion. In your time alone with God, why don't you practice bowing? You know, we're on video now, and I watch the video sometimes. It's amazing when people, when we're praying, how many people aren't bowing? Busted. <laughs> it's a sign of pride. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look around at who all is not bowing. I'm going to keep my eyes open. That preacher can't make me bow my head, close my eyes. I don't care what he says or how many times he says it. I don't care. It's between you and God. But I can tell you one thing's true of you. You're a proud person. Why do we teach children, bow your head and close your eyes? We're trying to teach them. And why do they want, they want to know. I think as parents, we need to say, the reason we ask you to bow your heads is because we're paying worship and homage to God. Just as somebody, you see how they greet dignitaries. You watch how the president is he, and, and these ambassadors, when they travel to foreign nations, there's respect there. Many times the, there's a bowing or, uh, uh, for the dignitary. But when we come to the king of kings and the lord of lords and we refuse to bow, let me ask you something. When's the last time you knelt before the lord? When's the last time you laid prostrate before God? When's the last time you just bowed? And, and in that 15 minutes, you just stayed in that bowed position, just trying to hear from God. There's something about physically bowing that lends to spiritual and mental humility. You see, when I get down on my knees, sometimes I have to have some support because these knees aren't what they ought to be. And I get in a chair or I sit like this and just bow. Bent before the Lord. And sometimes that gets uncomfortable. So I may get flat on my face and maybe put my arms up on a pillow and just spend some time just bowing. It's amazing how in that position, there's something about that position that I feel and I imagine myself that this, this great, holy, high and lofty God is, is who I'm bowing before and kneeling before and worshiping. It's something, it does something to my heart and my spirit. That when I get up from my knees, that I recognize I'm not in charge that day. He is. You see, if I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart, I can't serve myself. And when I start my day like that, I'm saying to the Lord, I am your servant. I'm bowing before you. My agenda doesn't matter as yours does. 
practice that. You see those actions in Scripture. And we think that was just for those people. We see it even in the New Testament. People bowing before the Lord. And praying and seeking God's face. And I want to encourage you to practice that this week. And even the rest of your life. Humbling yourself. That's one of a very simple way. Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart. And I recognize that if to serve you, I can't serve myself at the same time. So I'm going to start by humbling myself. And, and that's, you know, it's not just about the bowing and the bending. That's to, that's to help us. That's to prostrate us physically, to help us to get to that place mentally and spiritually. But God is worthy of that kind of worship. You know, we're bowing before something. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. You see, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 7, verse 42. This is in the New Testament. It says, God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. In Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Says some people profess themselves to be wise, but they become fools. They change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. See what happens? We're serving somebody. We're serving something. We're worshiping. We're bowing down before something. It's what are you bowing to? What are you bowing to? Where's your time? Where's your attention? Where's your money? Where's it going? What are you bowing to? Some of you are bowing to the wishes of your friends. Some of you are bowing to try to keep up with the, the status quo. Some of you are bowing to and being conformed to the, this world when the Bible says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're trying to bow to the culture. We're trying to fit in. Friends, you're not supposed to fit in here. You're an oddball. You're an oddball to the world. Oh, we don't want to be an oddball to anybody. We want to fit in. We want to look like everybody else. But I want to be different by looking like everybody else. Now, if you want to be different, be like Jesus. You'll stick out like a sore thumb. We're not to bow to our culture. We're not bow to the wishes of another person. We're to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we serve him with all of our heart. We don't serve this world. We live in it. We're among it, but we're not of it. And so look at where you're bowing. Look at who you're giving your time and your attention and your resources to. And that will give you a good indication of who you're serving. I challenge us again today as Joshua challenged Israel. Choose you this day whom you will serve. If Baal is God, serve him. If you want to be your own God, go for it. If you want to live for the things of the world, go for it. I can tell you where it's going to end, but you have that prerogative. You can go for it. It's going to end in death. 
There's going to be a lot of heartache all the way down the road. You're going to think it starts off fun. It does. But then it gets worse and worse and worse. But you have that prerogative. You, you can think you're the exception. You're not, but you can think that way. If that's what you want to do, you have that prerogative. Or choose to serve the Lord. I, and I can tell you, it won't always be easy. There will be difficulties and challenges along the way. But I can tell you one thing. You'll have the joy of the Lord. you have confidence with Him. You'll have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You'll enjoy and experience his love. You'll see God use you in ways you never thought you could be used. And I know what the end of that is, too. It's the joy of the Lord. It's hearing Christ say at the very end of your life, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. And so today I encourage you to begin by humbling yourself and practicing that bowing before him. Bow your body, bow your head, bow your heart. And as you bow physically, bow mentally, bow spiritually. And uh, some of you are physically incapable of bowing. I get that. I'm getting that more and more <laughs> the older I get. It's more and more difficult. But I can bow my heart. I can bow my head. I can bow my body even if I can't bend the knee. I'm going to ask us to practice this morning bowing. Again, I know there's some in here who cannot. If you cannot, please don't try because I don't know if we have any emergency medical <coughs> people here so we don't need that. But if you, could, you, if you cannot physically get on your knees then would you just bow your head and bow your body before the Lord. As we do so, I want us to remember that we're bowing before the High and Holy One. We're bowing before the King of Kings. We're bowing before the One who deserves to be bowed before. You're not bowing before a man. You're not bowing before a church. You're bowing before Jesus Christ. And I want you to join me in that, and then we'll have our time of invitation. Let's bow.